kid. What can I do to ease your pain? Welcome to Karate Kid 2 Minutes, a podcast where we discuss the Karate Kid Part 2, two painful minutes at a time. I'm Robin. I'm Matt. And joining us one more time this week from Cobra Kai Companion, welcome back, Brianna. Thank you. Woohoo. Oh, <laughs> I I I'm, not, I, I'm not cheering for myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I made sure I do. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, Today we're talking about minutes 82 to 84 of the Karate Kid Part 2. They begin with Kumiko feeding the fish and end with Daniel trying his best to say goodbye. Uh, We left off on Wednesday with Daniel packing his suitcase and he sees Kumiko on the dock, so he walks downstairs, but he stops when he hears Miyagi talking to Yukie. And uh, I always pick on the old people scenes in this movie from the point of view of a of a uh, 12-year-old kid watching this, going, Karate Kid, yay! Um, but are old people talking scenes more interesting to kids if a young character is interested in them? <laughs> I would think so, because the viewer is supposed to follow Daniel's lead, right? Yeah. Like, Daniel's constantly spying on Mr. Miyagi, so I'm wondering oh if Oh my it's god, like, he eavesdrops so bad! <laughs> he does. <laughs> And uh, I don't know. To me, I think as a young viewer, I was like, "All oh, right, he's he's interested in this. I, what's what's going on here?" You know, and and then that kind of draws me in. But I'm like, "Oh, is this a filmmaker trick?" They're like, "Oh, the kids won't care about this long, this age-old romance, you know, and how heartbreaking it is." But if Daniel's interested, maybe maybe they will be. <laughs> of course, you well, know, and- I'm like oh. <laughs> Yeah, and and then she throws in the the same line that Daniel had asked Mr. Miyagi, why didn't you just do this in the first place? Mm -hmm. And then she's the one to point out the obvious, you know. If you're leaving, take me with you. Right. And do they ever, spoilers, she doesn't. (laughs) Do they ever uh, (laughs) explain why she didn't? No, just that he rebuilt the house for her. And Kumiko joined the dance troupe in Tokyo. That was all the closure we got for this in the third movie. Yeah. Now we got a little more closure with season three. Mm. They were like this long distance, incredibly passionate, beautiful relationship, like a spiritual mm-hmm. marriage. But Yeah, they just kind of kept in contact with letters. Right. 6,000 miles apart or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, this scene kind of starts off with uh, Miyagi looking like a, like a little schoolboy in trouble with his suspenders and his slouched shoulders. <laughs> I love the suspenders. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, I'm in so much trouble. I'm about to break her heart all over again. Right. And he's expecting her to pack his suitcase to do it. <laughs> also, hey, uh, it's a real mess out there, but technically that, I mean, I didn't do it. Are you, you got this? I got to go. I really have to go. <laughs> Are you going to stick around my dead father's house and fix up that thousand-year-old garden in the back there, Yukie? Listen, I got your refrigerator. That's all good. <laughs> got that part. <laughs> Never ask me for anything again. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Especially, yeah, as, not, uh, especially not a green card. <laughs> Yeah, as uh, Miyagi says, I did not want this to end this way again. 
and I just immediately Joe Esposito is in my head. History repeats itself. <laughs> right, except there is literally zero reason why this has to happen again. Uh, I mean, zero. She like again. She could come with him. But let's just pause here, Brianna. We've been we've been talking uh, a lot about what happened with between Miyagi and Yukie and Sato and the reasons for Miyagi leaving and never, ever calling, never talking to his father again. What, what's your take on Like, do you think that we, we've just been constantly going, why? I don't know if you have a different take. <laughs> why did he run? Why not even, I understand why he ran. Why did he never call or write or anything? Oh, because he thought that that was the only way to preserve his family's honor because he ran from the fight. Was that oh. since his, since he knew his father would not disown him for doing it because his father loved him too much, he kind of disowned himself. So he, because to me, I think Miyagi Senior wouldn't be like, "You've brought great shame to our family." For well, this. no, he wouldn't. But do maybe that. Miyagi felt that he did. Right, right, and because this is. Uh, this is, you know, the, the 1920s, the 1930s. Yeah. Okinawan culture is really starting to assimilate into Japanese culture at this point. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of, of um, things that cause dishonor don't anymore. But then the old the, the old people, they still do. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he knew his father loved him. He knew his father would never disown him. But he also knew that his father severing ties with him was the only way that the Miyagi family honor could be restored. Yeah, and of course, honor is a big uh, uh, theme in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that is like an old custom that perhaps Chosen was taught by Sato uh, to have rather than it constantly being. Like, I just, when I saw this as a kid, I was like, oh man, you go to you go to Japan, go to Okinawa. Like, you just to get a, you, you, accidentally bump into somebody and it's like death threat immediately <laughs> right yeah <laughs> no like but, i said uh, earlier i just i think chosen was more into the violent side of it yeah yeah for you sure. know he, he, he would spout off the honor garbage as daniel called it right. uh, because it was what his uncle expected him to say i yeah. don't think at this point that chosen actually believed it hmm. I think it was just an excuse to be mean and nasty to people. Yeah, I agree. Poor chosen. I agree. He's a bully. Another bully. Yeah, poor chosen. It, it it meant more to Sato. I mean, Sato appreciated that aspect, I'm sure, of Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi, um, leaving because then he became the eldest Miyagi son, which mm. is how, I guess, all the artifacts and everything came down to him. Yeah, Spoilers that was Cobra Kai season three. <laughs> that was another thing. Like after Miyagi left, did Sato just keep training with Miyagi Senior? Is I that why did. that? Yeah. How strange! That what an interesting position that would have put Miyagi Senior into. <laughs> like, okay, right? Well, it it guess... like really tests your pacifism, right? Your neutrality. Yeah, for sure. Um, this is the guy that chased your son out of the country. But he's also your only student now and your direct lineage. Mm. Very mind-blowing. And then Sato, of course, uh, coming every day to the father of the man who completely dishonored him. 
because right. that teacher bond is still there. Huh. Like, yeah, I, I be a fly in that dojo for sure. And I, yeah, that's why I, I don't know. I've gone back and forth thinking like, oh no, he definitely like he hates everything Miyagi. Maybe he just like didn't train with him anymore, and like he just went dark side. You know? like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, because. It, because Mr. Miyagi Sr. wanting Sato at his bedside when he died, um, and then, you know, uniting their hands the way he did, that was him saying that they were his sons and he wanted them together. Yeah. So. But, yeah, again, it's like, is that is that, um, you know, due to a lifelong uh, relationship that he had with Sato while Miyagi was off in America or... He's just like, hey, this has got to end, and now now my son is here, and maybe I can do this one last thing, and so uh, my son will be uh, uh, feel at ease being in Tomi Village again, or something like that, you know. But yeah, I, I think he was in a position where he wanted it to end for both of them. Yeah, and so they could go back to the way they had been because they had been such good friends. And this is all going to be explained in the Young Miyagi Netflix series that I have been pitching this entire season. And of right? course, we, we have the Young Sato, uh, you know, spinoff or maybe you know, special to kind of fill in the blanks on Sato's side after Miyagi leaves. Um, <laughs> this is all going to be great. I, I'm so looking forward to finally seeing it. And if uh, we don't get a Young Miyagi series, I will be so <laughs> disappointed. Just a, I how mean, about a one-off movie, so... even just something. Yeah, it's so obvious that yeah. this is a backstory we want, and the big three are not particularly fond of giving us the obvious. Yeah. Um. So, I don't know. We get the exact opposite. Think we're getting the young Miyagi, and we're actually getting the young Sato first. Hmm. Um, and then we just take over Netflix like uh, Marvel is taking over Disney Channel. <laughs> right, right. But could this be Castle Run territory? Could this be the Clone Wars here? <laughs> it, uh, but I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe with the big three, I, I trust them. No, it would be. It would be. Yeah, it would be more. Um, oh crap! Rogue One. Right. Which right. It, 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 like the best one of the best Star Wars movies. Like it's in my top three. Um, I love that movie. I, I, it's definitely in the top five for me. Um, uh, I really love it as well. Um, it's, it's, yeah, little, they, 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 could do, they could do a Rogue One level. They would. I mean, they, they yeah. absolutely would. Yeah. Uh, all right. Back to the movie. Uh, fun fact it's about 9 20 a.m., according to the clock behind UK. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm looking a lot at, <laughs> at the uh, furniture. Yeah. I love that they built these actual houses in Oahu so we can have scenes like this one and, and like the dojo and have all that water and background behind them. Like oh, you, this is definitely beautiful. a place. This is not a studio set, you know? No, no, this is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, so yeah, Yukie, uh, you know, after hearing uh, Miyagi say he would stay if he could, uh, you know, shows her Han Solo side and says, I know. <laughs> and then is lowered down to the carbon freezing shimmer. Anyway, enough about Star Wars. Um, so yeah, uh, UK, this is actually a very touching scene. Just trying not to yes. look at him. 
trying to focus on packing and he actually has to take her by the arms like gently and kind of turn her to him and that's where you know he's like what can i do to ease your pain and she's like the yeah duh <laughs> take right me <laughs> marry me you dummy and he doesn't yeah. really say anything to that does he no so. no nope, we know we while daniel to- walks away we go back to Daniel. That's that's yeah. Da- Daniel's, Daniel's done listening like, to this. Daniel's just like, ooh, this is getting awkward. I'm gonna walk away. Right. It's, yeah. This may lead to old people kissing. I gotta get out of here. If I hear the sound of my t-shirt kissing, <laughs> <laughs> it would be just as bad as hearing his mom and dad make out, right? Oh no. Um. Oh man, I didn't think I'd bring up the shooting script again, but again, this is a little different in the shooting script and uh, maybe better. Uh, this goes, this scene goes th- uh, this way. Uh, Miyagi asks, it doesn't uh, start off with like, I'd stay if I could. He actually goes, come with me. And she says she cannot. And he's like, well, what's keeping you here? And she says her whole life. And Miyagi's like, well, we can build a new one. You know, you can build a new one in America. And Yukie says that time that the time to build is when you are young. And then Miyagi says, if I could stay, I would. And then Yukie says, if I could leave, I would. And that's how that scene ends. So I like that it gives Yukie a little bit more, you know, like same that same amount of power in the scene as Miyagi does. Like Miyagi is running away and is breaking Yukie's heart. And Yukie can't do anything about it. Well, here it's like Miyagi's like, please come with me. And she's like, well, I can't. <laughs> Like I, right. I have a whole life here. At least that version of the scene doesn't make him look like a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes. for leaving anyway, but I don't know. I, don't I, know. That... I mean, it, it, it makes her I would leave if I could at the end actually rather redundant because she's already told him why she can't. But I do like her explanation and the we're too old for this. Yeah. Um yeah. It is also Which is very sad. Old. It's not true. Yeah, it's very ageist, I think. <laughs> like, um, oh, you're too old to do anything with your life. What are you, yeah, like, 50-something? Mr. Mr. Miyagi, <laughs> at this point, is, like, 58-ish, 59, somewhere in yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and I'm only a decade away from that. So <laughs> it's really not that old anymore. Believe me, nope. 59 is not old. I, honestly, the older I get, the more I'm convinced that the age I'm at is not as old as it. As you thought it was, yes. (laughs) And I try my best to convince all the younger people about this, but then I sound like all the older people that told me this. (laughs) Try to explain this. (laughs) (laughs) Like I remember my mother in her 30s, right? I mean, of course, it was the 70s and early 80s, but I remember (laughs) her like polyester pants and. The, the, the T-shirts and her hair and the pink rollers and things like that when she was making us breakfast in the morning. <laughs> and I always swore to myself I would never get that old. And she was like 35. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I've been digitizing a lot of home movies recently, and I'm, like, looking at my parents. I'm like, oh, I'm, like, 15 years older than they are now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... Uh, we go back to Daniel. It's we're enough of the old people. We're going with Daniel. He's, he's done listening. He walks outside, and we next get a close-up of Kumiko's hand picking up some rice and sprinkling it into the water. Um, one thing I noticed here is that Kumiko has a thin silver pinky ring, mm-hmm. and and I looked up 
pinky rings, what do they mean? I mean, this could just be something she decided to throw on her pinky. Uh, but I was like, well, what, what's, what are pinky rings all about? So I did a tiny bit of research. In Victorian era, men and women wear, would wear pinky rings to show that they're uninterested in marriage. Uh, and, uh, and and even that's kind of passed on as the modern age. I saw some websites saying that if you wear a pinky ring, that's a sign of self-love. Like you don't need somebody in your life to make you a full person. You are happy on your own. Um, and then, of course, pinky rings are known for mobsters. I was going to say, that brings a whole <laughs> new context to Bugsy Malone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't need a woman. I'm also a made man, so... <laughs> Uh, some picky rings are uh, signet rings, uh, ones that you use to make an impression in wax with, like, the seal of your family or whatever. Uh, that's obviously not what, what Kumiko has, but some people would wear even their wedding ring. Uh, men would wear uh, a wedding ring on their pinky with their signet ring on top of it. And that was kind of a, a, a style in the early 1900s, I think. Um, but, you know, who knows? Is it? Is, it, could this be like just a fashionable thing that she's wearing? She just likes wearing a pinky ring or is she saying like, like, Oh, you know, Daniel's leaving. I'll be good. I'm, I'll be okay on my own. Don't need to worry about me too much. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think it, it taking into account her, her strength of character and everything at this point, And then what we know follow up, um, right. she definitely had that in her. Yeah. But I, it was also the eighties and we wore all the jewelry we could find. <laughs> um, rings on every, I'm talking rings on every finger, three, six, 10 earring holes, <laughs> um, bangles, you know, bracelets from our elbow <laughs> yeah. to our, to our, our wrist. Um, that's what I think is just a, something that they found or something that she, war um that is uh you know is means something to tamlin that mm. she just wore because like ralph wears or daniel wears ralph's wedding ring you know just because oh, he's got it and it's i didn't even notice that yeah um <laughs> oh my God. i mean he, because he never takes it off right and it makes sense for daniel to have a wedding ring so he just wears ralph's um so i think that's oh, what oh you mean in just, cobra kai <laughs> yes 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 like is he married he at this point in car? No, not yet, right? No, no. he didn't. He, he got married um, right before they started filming number three. Ah, uh, that's why he couldn't have a love interest in part three. Uh, that is like the complete most nonsense. It sounds nothing like Ralph and Phyllis rumor I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> it, it completely throws out she'd been in love with him since she was fifteen, and he had been an actor for ten of those years. You know, yeah. she knew what he did for a living. Maybe he just wasn't interested in that point. Well, I guess we'll talk about it more when we get, get yeah, when we get to that movie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know. Kumiko is lo like, there's a lot of attention paid, paid to Kumiko's hands uh, in this movie, you know, because mm -hmm. I think that this gesture of her sprinkling the rice looks a lot like the way she moves her hands doing the Obon dance. And especially when she's showing Daniel uh, the moves, it just makes me think of that. Oh yeah, the floating, the kind of floating up and down. Yeah, but um, what I so, love about this and always have mm -hmm. is Tamlin's hair. This is going to sound so '80s woman. Yeah, but 
the way her hair blows across her face so perfectly in every scene, I always, always, always was trying to find some hairstyle or whatever that would give me that like perfect fringe. And this like doesn't exist. I I don't know if it's some mystical power or something on her head, but <laughs> this perfect hairdo does not exist anywhere <laughs> except on her head. So. I feel the opposite about her hairdo. I just <laughs> I, I was feel like yeah, yeah. It, to me, it looks like she just got up out of bed, put her hair on top of her head, pinned it, and then walked out the door. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> it looks really messy. I I just like how is that much blowing in her face? And the rest of it but is hair's not supposed to be blowing head, but she's face. got a lot of hair up there. <laughs> she does. Tamlin Tamita had some long hair. Mm. Uh, I yeah, to me, I I I'm I'm very much into it. Uh, this is something Matt and I have uh, disagreed on, which is a line in the sand between us. Oh <laughs> yeah, to, to me, this is this is <laughs> one of the most physically beautiful shots of. The entire movie, because the two subjects of this shot are both incredibly beautiful. What do we think and, of her fingernails? Uh, they're not painted. Huh? They're 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 not painted. They're just the short ovals. They're very long, but yeah, they're not painted. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't notice. I, I was that's looking. That's a short oval. <laughs> Believe it or not, that's a short oval. Huh? Yeah. But yeah, I just I, I like it. This is my favorite outfit of Daniels in like probably the entire franchise. I love that red plaid shirt so much. I don't know why. Why am I remembering it being? Oh, I guess it looks pink to me or purplish. That's yeah. It's it's kind color. of like a faded. It's like yeah. super faded red. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, they are beautiful people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So, yeah, Kumiko is definitely looking sad. Uh, Daniel asks what she's doing, and she explains that this is an old custom. You offer rice to the gods when fishermen uh, go out to sea. And I was trying to find anything about this on, online, and I read a lot about the, the, the god of luck and prosperity named Ibisu, uh, who is a patron god of fishermen, uh, usually depicted as a fat, laughing fisherman. Uh, he was also deaf and unable to walk, due to being born without bones uh, because oh. of this. Yeah. He's like one God who cannot return to a shrine uh, from the water. So he's one of those gods that people can worship anywhere rather than having to go to a shrine to worship him. So, uh, but I don't know if that's the same God that she's talking about or gods. And she does say plural. So, yeah. But yeah, Daniel thinks as you would that sprinkling rice into the water would attract fish. So offering rice to the gods, it would be like it's like for a good catch. But uh, she says it's for a good, ret- a quick return. Man, that's a that's a monkey's paw wish if I ever heard one. Give me godlike power, and then you lose all your bones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was something about uh, it. Ba- it was based on an, an older legend. I, I was reading deeper about it. I was just like some baby born without bones and then thrown into the sea and uh, whatever. <laughs> it was kind of weird. Um, but uh, yeah, um, we're reminded here, the quick return doesn't exactly happen very quickly. Uh, and yeah, that she's kind of hoping this, that by quick return, it means like soon, not 35 years later. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but there's a long pause, and because of what's Daniel going to say to this, just uh, he can't exactly promise that he's going to come back soon. He's, you know, it's all many, many miles away. Right. Um, so he kind of turns the subject to dance school, and uh, the segment ends with uh, Kumiko basically saying that there's no schools for uh, that here, which I think she means that the ballet that she was showing him on the TV, not anything. Yeah, the, the contemporary dance rather than the traditional. Right, right. But does anybody have anything else for these couple of minutes? I think I'm, I'm out of notes myself. That's pretty well it. I mean, they're just, they're beautiful to look at. I love listening to them. Their dialogue yeah. is yeah, a little corny, but also really <laughs> sweet, so I can forgive it. Right. These were, they were probably one of the best 80s, like, romantic pairings, just because they, because of her being from another country, they could not fall into all the, um, like, Molly Ringwald, Roblo movie, you know, <laughs> cliches. Yeah. Um, which is probably part of the reason that I love it as much as I do. And I assume... If I said Kumiko versus Ali, you would say Kumiko, right? I mean, yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, I I think that Ali was someone who was very very special to Daniel, and I think he liked her a lot. Mm -hmm. I think Kumiko was the first woman he was ever in love with. I think he actually fell in love with her. For sure, for sure. Yes. And uh, with the with the help of Peter Cetera. Right. Tea. We're going to get some tea later, so I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> hey, as a child of the 80s, I can say that Peter Cetera really works as a pickup line. Just saying. Just saying Peter Cetera? <laughs> yeah. Just, it, it, uh, Peter Cetera, Chicago 16, you know, any, yeah. of, any of that era. <laughs> uh, it, it's a very successful pickup line. Nice. Nice. Uh, well, uh I didn't want to end the podcast this way again. I mean, I would stay if I could, but unfortunately, I gotta. We gotta end now. But uh, thank you so much for joining us, Brianna. Uh, thank you. And I'm so glad to have you on for your favorite movie, right? Yes. <laughs> so, favorite movie of all time, absolutely, 110 percent. Cool. Awesome. What's your second uh, favorite movie? The Karate Kid. Oh, <laughs> I should have no. guessed. Uh, please let everybody know uh, what what other podcasts they should be listening to. <laughs> oh my goodness! I am just was a guest on uh, Window of Opportunity, a Stargate rewatch podcast. I've been on oh. a few episodes of that. It's a, a W O O podcast, uh, Window of Opportunity, um, and that is my friend Carrie Switch Eight Forty Two, and okay. Rachel, another friend of ours. Um, and then I don't think I have any, I'm taping one next week, but I don't know when it's going to air. So I don't want to say anything about it. And there's like maybe plans going on for something for the 25th, mm. but nothing nailed down just yet. I do know that I'm putting in for PTO tomorrow for September 25th. Um, What's on the 25th? Uh, we, it's already uh, passed by the time this airs. Oh, it's already passed by the time this airs. Well, yeah, then future me. This will come out a me, month later. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Well, then future me is is already going to know whatever happened on September 25th. So just ignore all that. 
Uh, is it a special date of some sort? Um, it's a date that the, uh, <laughs> the big three have been kind of hawking on um, Twitter, saying pay attention that day, and um, that's supposed to be, um, what are they calling it, Tadum or Tudum? It's spelled T-U-D-U-M, but it's like Tadum. Oh, yes, yes, The rumor is, the feeling is, that we're going to get the full trailer for season four that day. Which means say, we will probably just... get, you know, a five-second snippet of dialogue that could go anywhere. <laughs> right. Um, or maybe just some ominous music and some pictures of Terry again. I don't know. As long as we get something as exciting as Amanda slapping Crease. Oh, man. <laughs> yes. I, don't think, I don't think they can ever top that in a trailer. I really don't. There was no scene, even with all the fighting I knew was coming, there was no scene I, I, wait, I was waiting to see more. I think Dan Daniel ducking a high kick and you see that it's like a pair of like white sneakers and like a leg warmer. And you're like, Julie, is it Julie? Oh my God, it's Julie. Freeze, freeze frame, freeze frame. <laughs> Analyze that part. He's accidentally played during the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Awesome. That well, was racist. Oh my God, it was horrible. Ugh. Uh, so, uh, everybody listen to, uh, Brianna and Cobra Kai Companion and Window of Opportunity. And, uh, and of course, uh, we'll, we'll be, we'll know by the time this comes out, whether or not we got more Cobra Kai information, really looking forward to, uh, the next season. Yeah. Future Us is probably pretty content right now. Yeah. <laughs> Current Us is going, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> And uh, as for our podcast, tune in next week when Sato brings a bulldozer to Tomi Village. What's Miyagi going to do? We'll find out. Uh, and probably punch next... it nuts. Sorry, you <laughs> punch the bulldozer in, in yeah, the primary target. Come he'll, on, he'll find show. a way. He'll find a way. <laughs> and until next time, I'm a free agent.